In her words, it's a sub-series from Something Private, featuring lesser-known stories of women who survived unspeakable pains and triumphed. Women who succeed despite and against all odds. This is their story. CEO and founder of Spire Esprit Group, Ms. Cynthia Chua, shares with me about how starting a business requires tenacity, positive spirit, and knowing how to maintain good relationships. We also break down her birth chart. The sun and moon in Cancer ensures us that there is no one type that makes up a successful person. Hing. I'm gonna say I'm a pig. <laughs> sun in Cancer and then your... Sun in Cancer, so the sun... Do I have to read this? Don't need, don't need. it's okay. Ascendant in Sagittarius, Moon in Cancer, Mercury in Leo, Venus in Cancer, Mars in Aquarius, Jupiter in Scorpio, Satan in Gemini, Uranus in Libra, Neptune in Sagittarius, Pluto in Virgo. Okay, yeah, who, who are you? Sun in Cancer is what people see you. Yes, and what you're supposed to be. Like, you're born ah, like this way. Okay. Yeah, so I am fundamentally sensitive. Oh, nurturing, definitely. They call me mother. <laughs> I'm very gentle. Not if I start screaming. <laughs> Your emotions may seem like a burden to you. You're deeply committed to your relationships and being good to the people you care about. Yeah, you may have trouble with self-discipline. Um, yeah, it's in your ninth house, meaning you feel the need to distinguish yourself from others through philosophy, faith, education, politics, and travel. Quite accurate, would you say? Yeah. Okay, now the moon in Cancer. <laughs> I'm actually sensitive, thoughtful, and empathetic. You have a ten- tendency to feel like a martyr and secretly fear being abandoned by those you love. Ah, see? (laughs) You often have trouble letting things go and feel like an emotional wreck. Ah. (laughs) It's in your 8th house, meaning you find security and safety through darkness, taboos, (laughs) rebirth, sex and transformation. Yeah, transformation is my big word. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) So do you think that it's accurate? I think I wanted to do this with you because like, I thought it'd be interesting to see what are some of the characteristics that make up somebody who's like very successful. I think like... the part about wow, you look really confident, independent, mm. la la la. You know, I think that is the persona. Um, inside, I think uh, people see me as dependent, but I think love is the most important thing to me all. It may not seem like it, but my fundamental is love. So that makes me very emotional. That's why, you know, I... Uh, relationships are very important to me mm. family mm. my best friend is very important to me my staff who work with me for a very long time they mean a lot to me like so I think my character is like that so it's pretty true yeah cancer is like a water sign so it's very emotional emotional yeah, yeah. I'm also yeah. A water sign. <laughs> yeah so yeah. I really I really yeah. I really so really. it doesn't really fit the business woman profile <laughs> yeah yeah which is very interesting though I think yeah. it shows there's no like one type or stereotype or archetype of person that you're like that needs to succeed, right? Yeah. My name is Cynthia Chua. I started a company called Spa Esprit, which then became Spa Esprit Group. <laughs> so Spa Esprit was born in, I think, 1996. I graduated from NUS, National University of Singapore, a major in economics and statistics. Well, like everybody else, you know, I thought my dream was to be uh, maybe a top banker, <laughs> try it out in the finance industry, you know. So um, I got my first job with uh, UOB Bank, actually. Yeah, it's a marketeer, marketing corporate cards. Blah, blah. Very quickly, I kind of realized that, hmm, that's not really my cup of tea. So I then um, came out and said that I hope to maybe uh, do something on my own, something that maybe fits um, more my passion. 
Yeah, so I started Spy SP Group where there was a chance for me to kind of uh, collaborate with a girl then called Samantha. Uh, I was a customer. It was called Bell Esprit and it was really cool. Um, back then, 1996, Holland Village was like, wow, that's a really cool uh, hood to, to hang mm. out. Um, the shop houses were really cute. It was tucked on the second floor. So um, I started going there as a customer and thought, wow, this day spa concept is really interesting. I mean, day spa is nothing new, but in 1996, can you imagine like 20, 24 years ago? My God, that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, so there wasn't quite the day spa concept. So it started with the spa spree. That was then I got into the business because she invited me. She was kind of lonely running the business. Yeah, so that was how everything kind of uh, spiraled into 16 brands. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so started with Spy Esprit. That was the first venture. And then one thing leads to another. Uh, Spy Esprit then followed. My second brand was actually Strip. And then uh, after Strip was such a hit, I decided to do Bra House. So then with Bra House, uh, we started Beauty Emporium at that point in time. It was multi-concepts. And then the, um, when the beauty was uh, doing really well, my interest wasn't quite specific to just beauty. I think it's about living, it's about life. So I started thinking like, wow, there is not quite a cafe culture out there where you can get everybody to come together. I wanted all the arts people to come together, you know, where we can have good conversation. That's when I think house started. And then a house then lead to skinny pizza. And I felt that, well, these are all just pure cafe concept. People are still not going to take me seriously. I'm going to do gastro. So then we created Tipping Club. And then after Tipping Club, uh, let me have a think. So after Tipping Club, we had skinny pizza. And then the, after that, then we went into 40 hands. That's when we discovered Tiongbaru neighborhood where it was just cats roaming Yongsek Street at that point in time. That was 10 years ago. So with 40 hands, we curated Open Door Policy, which is now the butcher's wife. That short street became really popular. We felt that we should give um, the neighborhood even more vibrancy. So then we went to Engwon Street also in uh, Tiongbaru and it started Tiongbaru Bakery. I think that's... Kind of, oh yeah, and then after that we did Bochinche, that was the Argentinian uh, bistro, and then we did Ding Dong, and then with 40 Hand Success we did Common Man, Coffee Roasters, and then we also have the wholesale um, that we team up with the uh, Australian Five Senses called Common Man Coffee Roastery. I think every brand that we have started, right, there was always a very strong driving force. The driving force is that compelling spirit to fill the gap. It was that driving force that kind of inspired me to want to do strip. Yeah, so having said that, Nicole, it was very difficult because how do you communicate that? So I have to overcome that first. Yeah. Two is, I opened the shop and there was no customer. <laughs> like, who knows what Brazilian wax is? Mm. So I think at that point in time, I had spies. I've dealt with a lot of the media friends. So they tried it. They feel like, wow, it feels really, really good. So they were able to kind of personify, write about their own experience you know, in the magazine and tell people how it feels, you know. So having said that, the beginning was very difficult. I still remember um, standing outside cold storage distributing promotional flyers and the flyers says $5 underarm <laughs> and then when you come in for your $5 underarm wax we would then painfully convert you to a bikini wax for $15 and from mm. a bikini wax then the third prong would be to upgrade you to a Brazilian wax so it's very calculated and how do you educate people so that with the wave of um, her world at that point in time female you know 
magazines, once you get those articles L and all that, people start to read about it. Then the six months down the road, I started to see guys lining outside strip at that point in time was on Lorong Mambong second floor side. Oh, I was going out, you know, to my shop. I said, well, there's so many guys hanging outside my shop. I realized they were all waiting for their cute girlfriends upstairs. <laughs> then I go like, yes. So I knew I've kind of ticked one box, I've crossed one hurdle. So it was very, very difficult. You know, everything you do, there's always challenges. Mm. And, and uh, everybody thought it was very easy, but it was very, very difficult. Tiongboro Bakery was created when I was in Paris. I go like, wow, this is a kind of complex bread they eat. Mm. No wonder the French girls are like that. <laughs> Because everybody want to be like, oh, what, study the French diet. So seeing what other people are eating, I go, wow, if I were to bring this kind of bread here, you know, it would be really interesting. So I think it started with a dream of wanting to have a bakery. I waited six years before the French baker fell on my lap. <laughs> and he kind of ticked the box for me and fit the bill because he was artisanal, was fourth generation baker. Mm. And uh, his croissant was just amazing for me. When I first bite into the croissant, I said, oh my God, this is amazing. So that was how... It inspired me to have Tiongbaru Bakery. But it was also the branding that makes it feel really interesting. Because we didn't just take a French baker and call it a French name. Mm. Um, it was about branding, understanding about heritage. It was my childhood memories, you know, with a Chinese biscuit and a print and how Tiongbaru Baru logo should look like. And uh, in the most unexpected Chinese name, you actually have the best French baked goods that are so authentic. We have French customers who come here and say, we can't even get that standard of croissant in Paris. That was like, wow, we did it so well. Yeah, so just some of the stories about the brands that have started. Before I even wanted this, this brand, my dad was just really, really mad with me because he was talking about how he put me through university and like, why would you want to do something like that? And hair removal is very often seen as a complimentary service even in a spa no one even thinks about taking it out and make it into a business and you want to focus on Brazilian waxing like we are Asians right we should be conservative no one's going to talk about your vulva and then like you want to specialise in the vulva my dad was just I think I almost drove him to the grave <laughs> so he was really angry but despite the fact well um, I continued to do it I said it, it's okay I'm just going to try if it doesn't work I will give up but just let me try and um, the first six months was very difficult because how would you tackle a very taboo subject how would you even have a marketing campaign and a poster you can't draw your female anatomy with hair right so it was very very difficult yeah so you know everything you do there's always challenges mm. and, and uh, everybody thought it was very easy but it was very very difficult and then during your difficult times and struggles what people say to you seem to become even more powerful yeah it's not going to work right i told you so this is a complimentary service never gonna work so you're struggling that but i felt that i was right i could actually you know do something with it um, and I think what kept me going was also continuing to have fun because I laughed at all the posters. Um, I see all the stuff that worked with me supporting it. No one was really complaining. They saw how hard I work and everybody kind of want to be part of it. So really that community and the teamwork and my staff support and uh, I, my best friend was uh, kind of like involved in the creative uh, design and all that we're always having a lot of fun so the coffee catch up the laughing at the poster coming out with taboo boo boo talking about the next idea so I think it's really creating a rhythm to keep your passion afloat and really believe in that core instinctive feel that this is what I think I want to fill the gap with 
this is what resonated with me. I feel it in my gut and that is my instinct. The motivation is also um, surrounding yourself with very positive energy. I think having fun and creative, I'm very careful to surround myself with positive people because I think I thrive on the energy. It just radiates and it influences people and it's infectious, right? But it's also the right people that come together, it becomes bigger and bigger. But if someone is very negative, it's draining me, I'm very careful to say... That's not where I want to go. Mm. I don't let it drag me down. Uh, I think I'm brought up in that kind of culture. My father is very lighthearted. He likes to joke. He's very positive. You know, even though he tells me not to do it, you know, he's angry or whatsoever. He, he's still very supportive. So I see how generous and big my father's spirit is. I think that energy kind of like, I inherited that. So that positivity and that magnanimous energy maybe perhaps carry forth in my worldview and whatever I see. I think in a bigger picture, I feel that way. Mm. I think it's very inspiring because like there were a lot of, when I wanted to start this podcast, there were a lot of like naysayers also, you know. It seems like sometimes we are a country that we see what's like trendy and then we try to copy it. But like to like pioneer something is like very different, you know. So I think it's very inspiring to hear that from you. Cause, yes, like, because well, the journey will teach you a lot of things. Yes, and I think so that Because sometimes when you achieve something already, it becomes very boring but you remember mm. the journey and every journey shapes the spirit I feel mm-hmm. so that's always no loser mm. I foresee my 20s to be like a time of crying a lot because <laughs> of like failures <laughs> well, there, were, there were things that I, I did and it doesn't work so we had a potion which is a vintage boutique before I think we're so ahead of time there were mm, people who were saying these are dead people's clothes we're not going to wear it let alone charge $350 for a dress you know but we had to painfully reconstruct every vintage piece into something you know nice that fits and is one off but we're so ahead of time it doesn't mean that the concept doesn't work but maybe the timing was not right mm. I also had a concept called 12 by 12 now kind of like when I look back in retrospect right we're just so ahead of time I was giving all these healthy brown rice balls with fantastic soups there were like 10 different types of suits and they're all made from scratch. It was amazing. But I think at that time, I opened in Suntech City where the crowd wasn't quite that kind. that go, oh, yep. I want a 12 by 12 brown rice ball with like a super green goddess suit, right? Mm. So I think we were just like 15 years ahead of time. And that concept just closed. Mm. Yeah, and uh, we closed Skinny Pizza too because it became something that was too hard for me to manage. I couldn't kind of uh, spend so much time managing it. Mm. Yeah, so not to be emotional about something and taking everything as a learning curve, I think taking it in good spirit, it's really good. Yeah, I think when people read about, wow, there's so many brands, it's so glamorous to own a cafe, to yeah. put a bakery in a neighborhood. I think those are things that you read about. Mm. Um, I, my philosophy has always been, yeah, you need to love what you do, right? So passion is very important. But also feel that within that passion, you need to find your rhythm because it's a marathon. <laughs> mm. it's, 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 it's not just a sprint because it's a journey. And uh, the velocity that you find in that will keep you going. And um, the last thing I feel that when people go in the last league, they all drop off because that's the tenacity. Mm-hmm. You really need to have a lot of tenacious spirit. I remember a CEO of a big company came and tapped on my shoulder and said, wow, you got guts, man. <laughs> I look at him and I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Six months into running the place where nobody came for dinner and whatever, I was like, hey, maybe I understood what he meant. <laughs> because no one has got like, you wouldn't take a restaurant that is like that big when you have no F&B experience. But on the other hand, I think I was thrown in the deep ends. If you can run a 10,000 square feet restaurant, you can, a, you can run a 1,000 square feet cafe, right? So I think I kind of like threw myself into the very, very deep waters and, and had to swim and, 
and do that. So yeah, so there were a lot of people who tell you it's not going to work. But I think I don't complicate matters. If you just keep thinking about I'm going to fail, no customer is going to come, uh, I can't hire my staff. If you keep thinking that way, oh my God, you feel so tired. I just think, well, how is this about a place to connect the creative energy? Well, no one's coming. I have to work on weekends where all my friends were partying and whatsoever. At 4pm, I was doing roll call on what's a special for the day. It sounded so boring, right? But I just make the fun of whatever. My stuff were like all so funny. Every time I play a song, they're dancing. And I started telling my friends, it come to house party. If people remember house, right? It's like, it's just all the fun parties were there. Mm. So we keep throwing parties and people keep coming. And then next thing I know is we have 600 people coming, you know? So I think chunking them not make things very complicated for yourself because the energy can drain you down. If you turn into a very negative vibe, well, oh yeah, they say no, it's not going to work. No one came. I'm just going to die because the staff don't turn up because they're supposed to turn up for what they don't turn up. You have to burn your weekends and things. But I love the notion so much I'm willing to work hard. Actually, a lot of people like to ask like, oh, have you ever thought that it's not going to work? Strangely, I never. Anything that I've started, right, when there's a problem, I seem to be able to find my positive energy to deal with it. I never told myself, what if it doesn't work? Because the gut feel is there's a gap. People want natural wine. People want this, they want that. Blah, blah, blah. How do I make this work? We must all remember that energy is finite. Hmm. you have maybe that 2,000 calories of energy to burn every day if I use the energy to think about bad things I'm so tired already I can't solve the problems right hmm. so use the energy on the positive things and use that in a good way to solve it and as long as there is a momentum there's an uptrend there's a hope it's moving when it's moving one day you'll get there so my lifetime favourite quote it's really Real life is lived when tiny changes occur and that's Tolstoy. And I think he's brilliant <laughs> because that quote is just perfect for me. Sometimes you may not see big things moving, but you know what? It's not still, it's moving. It could be slow, but it's uptrend. As long as it's moving, one day you will get there and conserve the energy. Conserve the energy because energy is finite. When you do that, you will get there. I feel like it's like a (laughs) life coaching. (laughs) No, but it's very inspiring. I have to share. I agree, I agree. Yeah, because I find it very strange because managing a business like that also is managing like 1,000 people. Mm. And sometimes I feel like they have got so much potential but they just kill themselves because they're not thinking the right way. Mm. The mind is just so powerful. A lot of people like to ask this question about uh, gender problem and that maybe you're a girl in a in an industry like that doing business especially in an F&B trade where the kitchen is for men it's mm. oily how do you tackle this I think my personal experience has been very very pleasant I wouldn't say that oh because I'm a girl I can't fight with my chef they will chop me out in pieces <laughs> you know mm. it, I, I'm not afraid of that I think I, I use my vision and my passion to say wow I want to create six dessert platter with a Godzilla when they hear my passion they all want to be part of it they wanted to help me if you're a compassionate boss you work with everybody you look after your stuff you love your stuff they wouldn't care whether you're a guy or a girl for one so I never quite see that advantage I mean disadvantage even people say that in the kitchen it's oily and all that 
what I love wearing my high heels, I was a food controller. I was able to control all the dishes and things like that. But I don't feel bullied, threatened or whatsoever. I think uh, I've gotten a lot of respect from a lot of men. Mm. Even my dad, again, when I wanted to do F&B, oh my god, your beauty is doing so well. What would you want to do that? It's so oily. You don't even know how to cook. But I said, bah, I don't need to know how to cook. I just need to know good food from bad food. <laughs> yeah, because I don't need to be a chef, but I can hire a good chef. But I've got a very good palate, thanks to my dad. He trained me up for that. So I was able to hack it in the food industry. So I think uh, when uh, we were awarded the power list in F&B by Straits Times, um, we were very happy and I was a girl. So it doesn't mean that you're a girl, you cannot thrive in the F&B industry. So understanding your strength and finding the people to complement that it's important but it really doesn't matter whether you are a guy or a girl mm. in fact I think because I was a girl I got even more advantages <laughs> mm. because I feel like wow the chef look after me and they feel like oh my boss is female you talk to her you know shout at her she really loves this let's do this for her so I think if you love what you do and you use your hard work to work with them I think I never go oh I'm the boss I just go in and I say this is bad or whatever I work with them when I had the spa, I was a massage therapist. I work harder than anybody else. I was there on Saturday. If nobody opens the door, someone falls sick, I'm the person there. I'm the food controller on the walkie-talkie. You know, I have to stay till 4 a.m. for a party, you know, to wrap up the party and all that. Because you show them that you work. And because you use your sure work to gain their respect, they love you. So even with common men, I was at the counter checking the food because the food controller is very important. How you plate the dishes, you know, for at least three months. So I think that's how you get the food consistency up and all that. Brazilian wax, for example, when we started Brazilian wax, I was the person who learned the technique from somebody else. I had to wake up six o'clock in the morning because the trainer has another job. But I would learn the technique myself. You know, so with that, I teach other people. Mm. If someone changes my soundtrack in TBB, I will go crazy. So <laughs> don't touch my music. Oh, it's a set, like set playlist, is it? Yeah, so it's a playlist chosen by me. Every song I need to know. If someone plays oh top God. 40, I like. I love it. So my girlfriend went to TB and said, Oh my God, someone plays top 40 in your outlet. <laughs> Straight away. They get a call. Take a snapshot of what TBB playlist. I think I kind of motivate myself. If I want to do something, right, I like to ask people, hey, Nicole, what do you think? Hey, what do you think? But actually, after I hear what everybody say, right, I really know what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to try. If I feel that, I will give up myself. I never had time where I don't feel like I'm passionate about what I do. I love all the things that I do. But having done operations, creative work, R&D for so long, I feel like I can then maybe streamline into things that I really love to do. And what I can really value add to the company is really that visionary role and uh, seeing the gaps and how do you propel the company into something that is very progressive like it's about farming it's about coming out with botanicals of Singapore to come out with a Singapore perfume that it's pure I think it's that kind of idea the R&D and working with the team guiding the marketing and all that I think the rest of the operation the music and things that somebody else will be able to do it when they have their team meeting and all that they can do it there's always a figure there for the staff that's not me that's my F&B director or my beauty GM right now 
So I stay on top and do that. But the traveling gives me a lot of ideas and connecting with what's going on. I wouldn't be able to learn agriculture if I'm in Singapore. Mm. <laughs> but because I'm traveling in France, yeah, and I'm also involved in like an agriculture show that we're doing with the par- with my partner. I get to visit all the farms. That's where all the ideas come. So I think half time in Europe was also I want to kind of see all the different creatives, not just in Singapore. Uh, London and New York has got most of that and even in Paris so I think that part kind of exposed me to maybe more I always love arts, design the artistic part of it I think that part of it is very important having that formula of banging one shot after another is already what I've done for 20 years Mm. I love that part of it but maybe giving myself more time I think that's very important to my own development. Mm. I've always loved the healing, Tibetan bowls, aromatherapy, botanicals. I feel like that part grounds me. And that is kind of opening up this whole dynamics of moving into another arena, which is maybe my personal growth, which I think eventually will benefit the business because the business is an extension of my mind. I feel like something bigger is coming. It Perhaps it's in a different format, but it perhaps could give back in a bigger way. I don't know, something like that is kind of in my head. I have a lot of time to kind of like do the things that I want to do, go to the bookshop, just buy a piece of best French pastry and sit in the garden and eat it just in front of the fountain. You know, I mean, those are things that money can't buy. And I think I'm very lucky to have all these very beautiful um, moments yeah and I think that's kind of opening our mindset understanding a little bit more about what life can give and how I can give in a bigger way so it is moving deeper inside last time I feel like I was radiating outside but I think the introspection is helping me maybe I'm growing up mm. <laughs> yeah so I feel like that part of cementing me in a bigger picture and with the background of how my mind works perhaps I could move things and inspire women perhaps in a way and help budding people who want to get into business it could be an issue of agriculture it could be leading another movement I don't think I'll ever stop (laughs) but maybe I want to try another format but I feel like that's kind of moving inside yeah perhaps Mm. yeah subscribe on Spotify iTunes and Google Podcasts to be the first to get notified for new episodes that come out every Monday share this with your friends and follow me on Instagram at somethingprivatepod see you guys next week I love TPP bye